The Human Podcast features weekly service audio from the Unitarian Universalist Metro Atlanta North Congregation of Roswell, Georgia. Please visit us at human.org. Good morning, human. Um, I'm Amanda Brawley, a member here at Human, and on behalf of all of us, including the dedicated technical team making today's live stream possible, I would like to welcome you to the Unitarian Universalist Metro Atlanta North congregation, which we lovingly call Human. Um, this morning, we welcome our guest, the Reverend Deborah Bennett from Emerson in Marietta, because today is Reverend Dave Dunn's birthday. Happy birthday, if you're out there watching. Um, and, okay, a little bit about, about us. We are a liberal faith community with the mission to nurture our spirit, strive for justice, and transform the world. So no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, you are welcome here. Um, if anyone here is visiting us for the first time and feels comfortable doing so, please, uh, we would love if you would identify yourself, introduce yourself so we can uh, share the service. As friends, any first-time visitors on my left? Yes. Please stand and tell us your name. That's Ashley. Anyone on the right would like to uh, share your name? Yes, please stand. Awesome, Steph, welcome. Please share, uh, stay after for coffee and conversation um, and welcome. Some of our members know, hopefully most of our members know, that we have a handy-dandy little software that we have been using. It's sort of a church database and communication software, and it's called Breeze. Uh, we use this to connect with each other, share church event details with one another. And beginning on February 5th for committee chairs and co-chairs, and uh, continuing February 19th for all church members, Mark Soul, uh, our amazing and dedicated Mark Soul, Carla Kapaskis and I, will, we will be leading a Breeze Boot Camp. It's not going to be that hard. It's, it's going to be a Breeze. But, and I, I'm now realizing maybe that name that I, I put on it is going to be a little scary. But it's, it's going to be great. You will learn how to use this tool. If you cannot attend the February sessions, we will also be offering in March and April. So it will give a chance for everybody to get up to date. It's a very useful tool. It has an app. Um, so please make sure you join at least one of these sessions. We do have a few adult enrichment offerings this morning. 
back when I was growing up, we used to call this Sunday school um, after this service. So there is Sunday service reflections where we reflect on um, what we took away from the sermon. Uh, that will be downstairs. There's a, and if you don't know where that is, somebody will direct you, but there are some stairs towards the back. And that is going to be in uh, Fellowship Hall Room 3. So you'll go downstairs and look for Room 3 on the door. We have a new group starting human knitters, crocheters, and needle crafters. That will be downstairs in Room 1. And um, 30 Days of Love uh, is another offering that we have, Sunday school offering we have. And that's going to be downstairs in Room 2. And again, we invite you to, ch to chat and share a cup of coffee or tea with us. And... Um, you know, directly after the service. We are also now offering playgroup for children during the service time in Discovery Hall, which is the other building on campus. Uh, and if, in case you would like to enjoy uh, the service without kids, and they also have also the Sunday school offerings after the service. Thank you for being here, and again, welcome. Hey, good morning. Wow, you are stuffed in here. This is just fun. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but you know, Reverend Dave is over at my congregation this morning, so he's having a happy birthday over there. We did a little thing called a pulpit swap. Um, so, And to be clear, we are your neighbors. So I hear this thing about loving your neighbor, so I'm expecting some good loving today, okay? All right, all right. Yeah, I like, and you know, we do call and response. So if I say something you like, you just say like, you know, amen isn't always good. Did you, one time I read online, someone was like, you know, the amen thing doesn't quite work for me, but, but it's, it's the 21st century, so we're going to just say send. So you're invited. <laughs> if I say something that you kind of like, you can just yell out send, and, and it will go off into the universe, and, and we will be there, so... So thank you, though. Thank you for having me. And it is a joy to be able to be in a faith that allows for this pulpit swapping. You know, there is such a thing as power of the pew, power of the pulpit and the pews, sharing from each other. So whatever I say up here is really just my opinion. And it's no greater an opinion or more important than what, what you have to say about the topic. I'm just kind of introducing the topic today. And today's topic is all about fierce love. So I think we're going to have a good conversation. And I want to start with a prayer this morning. It's, this is adapted. The author is unknown of this prayer, but please join me if you would like. Dear one who has so many names and who's known by multiple definitions and whose very existence is in deep question. Dear to whom it may concern. I want to tell you that so far today, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy or grumpy or nasty or selfish or overindulgent. In fact, I think I've done a pretty good job at loving everyone I have been in contact with today. And I'm really glad about that. But dear God, spirit of life, unknown source of myself, in a few minutes, I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm going to need a heck of a lot more help. So may we all be that help for each other that we need. 
this day and every day to practice our loving. Thank you. I think, I think we, do we do music now? Oh, let's, oh, we laid a chalice. That is definitely my prayer every morning. <laughs> May we light this chalice to remind us of the power and beauty of balance and contrast. It is darkness that can make the flame of a single candle so powerful and light that deepens those shadows in turn. A chalice flame is the meeting point and the union of the refuge safety and incredible beauty of darkness and the warmth the assurance and the joy of light may this act of lighting our chalice remind us that we are stronger together in all the complexities and the disagreements of relationship because we are different and because we are one joys and our sorrows. If you are so moved, please feel free to come forward, drop a pebble in the bowl of water, and while wearing your mask, express a joy or sorrow that you may have and would like to share. For those attending our live stream, if you have a joy or sorrow you'd like to share, please type it in the chat and use this microphone when you come up. guitarist and vocalist and the band excuse me, television, um, you will certainly mourn his passing with me. Uh, 73 years old is, you know, too young, uh, but he had a wonderful life and I'm glad for that. Uh, sorry his passing, joy at the, you know, the work that he, um, that so many of his fans enjoyed. My name is Kelly Callen, and I'm a member of Newman, and I'm lighting, or lighting, I'm lighting the chills. I'm dropping a pebble of joy, thank goodness, after several weeks. We have a dear friend and a friend of Newman, Bob Rumble, who was up for many years a history teacher at Roswell High School, as well as a soccer coach, and um, is now at Kings Ridge, and he was in ICU with a horrible viral infection, um, which was really life-threatening, and he is now in a normal room today. So I'm so happy to um, drop this pebble, and we'll hope that he comes home to Roswell soon. Hi, 
Hi, good morning, everybody. My name is Jeremy. Um, so I've got some pretty good news to um, uh, share with you guys this morning. Uh, about a year ago, my little sister was diagnosed as epileptic, which was very difficult for all of us. Um, and something you may or may not know is when you have um, a seizure, they take away your driver's license. And that depends, you know, on how many or how often, you know, it's taken away for. But uh, as of yesterday, my sister has gone a whole six months and that was her cutoff point. So she got to uh, get back in her car for the first time in a year yesterday. And uh, it's just phenomenal. And I'm so happy she's doing well. And uh, we celebrated by going directly to get coffee. <laughs> so that's something very cool. And I'm very happy to share that with all of you. Monique Williams, I'm looking at the online chat, um, is also celebrating a birthday today. Happy birthday. As a nation, as we, we continue to grapple with a long way that we um, have to go as far as justice and equity, um, so I'm dropping a pebble of sorrow for that as we um, we get more news out of Memphis. And one final pebble for those joys and concerns and sorrows uh, that we cannot share yet. us into a time of centering now. This is a time, I often call this the time of pause, and I know many of us have such busy lives, and we might not even have taken a pause in our week, so I hope that you allow yourselves, as you choose to come into a congregation on a Sunday morning, consciously choose to say, yeah, I'm going to take a moment to just pause, put down what doesn't need to be held. So if you are somebody that's comfortable with eyes closed for a centering, please feel free to close your eyes. If that's not comfortable for you, just maybe have your eyes gazing down as a way to bring your awareness and your attention more inside your body, inside your breath. And the breath is always a wonderful place to start. Taking a breath that you allow yourself to notice. All day, every day, breaths are happening in our lives in breath and out-breath. We rarely take a moment to be present for once. Go ahead now and allow yourself to be present from the very beginning of a breath. All the way 
up to its full inhale and all the way down to its full exhale. Find the place inside of yourself in your own way that is your place of pause. It's very personal to you. Where do you go? Inside yourself to take that break. On the next breath or two, I'm going to invite you to also bring that breath into the fullness of your whole body. So that might cause you to sit up more or even stretch. Feel free to do that. Maybe even follow the sensation of the breath all the way down your arms to your hands, squeezing your hands or touching your fingertips just as a way to acknowledge your body. And if you are able... And if there's sensation in the bottom of your body, also do that with your torso and your legs, down to your toes, or up to the top of your head. Whatever parts of your personal body are available for you to connect with. Take the next two breaths. This precious time centering as you come back into the center of your body I'm going to invite you to rest now in your heart as you take in this little parable there was once a rabbi who spoke to God and said I want to know about heaven and hell and God said I will show you and so together they went into a room which had a large pot of stew in the middle. The smell was delicious. And around the table sat a room full of people, all who looked famished and desperate. All were holding spoons with very long handles, which reached all the way to the pot. But because the handles of the spoons were so long, longer than their arms, it was impossible for them to get the stew back into their mouths, and so they were starving. The rabbi was aghast, seeing the scene. And then God said, now I will show you heaven. And they went into another room that looked identical. There was a similar large pot of stew. A big group of people sat around the pot, but they looked healthy, vibrant, full, they too had identical long-handled spoons. And the rabbi looked at God and said, how is this? And God said, in this room, these people, they are so happy and healthy because they have learned how to feed one another. So take this moment as you pause Feel inside yourself the ways you feed yourself and each other.
Thank you, Alex. It's really beautiful music. If you haven't already, as you're ready, you can open your eyes. So I have a confession to make. I fail at love all the time. I was reminded of this fact recently when I went out to purchase some greeting cards. You know those things you buy so you can send out to connect with other people and express love. Well, on this day, I, I pulled into the crystal shop, one of my favorite places to buy greeting cards, and I saw a woman standing in the empty parking lot. She looked distraught and disheveled. She had a small backpack on her back. And she watched me as I pulled in, and she began to speak, looking in my direction. So I rolled down the window on the passenger side of the car to talk to her. She told me that the people in the store had asked her to leave and that they scared her. She said that they scared her because they did not believe in God. And she said she had only asked them if they knew where she could get some food. I said that I was sorry she had that experience of feeling afraid and that I knew that there were a few restaurants right down the road. She looked at me. She was kind of puzzled that I did not immediately understand what she meant. And so she added, oh, I know. I mean, I was trying to find free food. I live in the back of my truck. And then with what seemed to be a true statement of gratitude, she said, <clears throat> but I get to wash my hair every day in the bathroom at the racetrack. I assumed she was referring to the gas station down the street. Your hair looks really nice, I said, because it did. And she smiled. She continued talking about God, and I engaged her in that conversation a little bit to promote the idea that we all see things differently and that there are good people who do not believe in God. At one point, she earnestly said to me, well, we all believe in love, right? And I nodded and smiled. We all believe in love, I agreed. And then she repeated and that she was just looking for food and asked if I knew where she could find some free food. Now, there it was in that moment, right, laid out for me the perfect opportunity to love. And thinking back, I realized it couldn't have been set up better. There we were. We had already had a nice connection she was cold and hungry, and, well, I had a car and money. But I also had my own agenda that day for things that I wanted to get done in a certain time frame. I had not planned on this person's presence as part of my agenda. So what should I do? Well, I think we've all been there, right? When we have to decide how far out of our well-made plans we're going to venture for someone else how far we're going to venture for the opportunity to love. Now, I imagine most of us would say that love is one of our core values, right? And that love is the core value of this faith. In fact, our new proposed statement of values in the UUA bylaws put love at the very center of that chart. And while I do not in question our intent, I sometimes wonder if we all agree on which love we are centering. 
Now, my dad died last year, but before his death, he would always tune in on Sunday morning services online. Now, dad was a staunch anti-religious type of guy. Maybe you know someone like him. And he just could not understand where he went wrong that his only daughter would eventually become a minister. And he just did not get the UU thing. He wasn't exactly liberal, but he wasn't exactly conservative either. I think my dad was a high priest of the Church of Stubborn Independence. Do you know anybody from that church? But that's going to be another sermon. Dad never mentioned to me that he watched our services, and he never even made a comment to me about them. But on one visit with Dad, we got into some social, political, religious conversation, as we usually did, and he turned to me and said with a good dose of contempt, well, you all think love is the answer to everything. And he said this as if love was some kind of newfangled technology we didn't need or something akin to an elusive rainbow unicorn. Well, yes, I had answered him calmly, not to the unicorns, but there is a lot of messed up stuff in the world, Dad, I said, and we don't believe in that somehow it's all going to be better in a place called heaven. But we do believe that love can make a difference right here, right now, where we are. He just took, shook his head and walked away. It was sometime later that I realized I had not been fully clear with my dad. Yes, love is the center of this faith, but which love did I mean? Which love do we mean when we say that? The ancient Greeks had many words for love, right? There's eros, that sexual, passionate love, and they had words for playful love and family love and deep friendship. Words for long-lasting love, and one of my favorites, agape, right? It's a love for everyone. And I like these designations because I think they help us understand the many faces of love and how love changes over the course of one person's life and relationships. But I'm going to make a proposition today that the love that Unitarian Universalism speaks of as the center of this faith is not one of those named by the Greeks, not even agape, although I think it's part of the love that we mean. I think the love that is at the center of this liberal, evolving faith encompasses a love for everyone, and then it goes one more step, because this love for everyone is not complete without a corresponding action to love. And I call this love fierce love because it is not always easy. And it takes all the fierceness we can muster up to get us to act sometimes. I think fierce love is the conscious decision to act on the mandate to love, even and especially when that feels hardest to do. Have you ever felt it was hard to love? Everyone should be shaking their head. You have. Fierce love is when we have that feeling inside. You know that feeling? That feeling that something is being asked of us and we actually answer. Fierce love is a woman that I want to tell you about named Toni Neumacher. 
In 2014, a nine-year-old boy named Connor was in a playground near his home with his siblings and other friends. Another boy, only 12 years old, pulled out a knife that he had hid in the sand and suddenly stabbed Connor to death. The boy who did the stabbing actually called 911 himself after the killing to confess. And at the trial, the tapes revealed this young person who was deeply in pain. He said, I just stabbed someone, he told the 911 operator. And then he said, I'm fed up with life. I want to die. Come and get me. Lock me up. Kill me. This boy was 12 years old. Soon after the murder, Connor's grandmother, Tony, had a deep desire to meet the mother of her grandson's killer. She heard from neighbors that the boy's mother, whose name was Anita, had visited the scene of the crime. She had been crying. She wanted to talk to the family and tell them that she was sorry. So Tony and her son, Jarrett, who was Connor's father, decided to track down Anita. They found her outside her home. She had lost her job at the local food processing plant because her co-workers thought she was a monster who had raised a killer. Tony told a reporter, we stood outside and talked and cried together. She was mortified. She was so sorry. We gave her $150 for food and thought, should we do this every week? Tony said that when some members of the community heard about her kindness towards Anita, they became angry. But the grandmother addressed her critics during, during Connor's memorial service 10 days later, saying this. She said, after Connor's death, my family and I were so blessed by the outpouring of love and generosity. But what about the other family? Who held them in their hearts and prayers? After, was, after Connor was killed, we all said, close the village gates, bring the children inside, bring out the weapons to protect our children and ourselves. And then this grandmother, the grandmother of the boy who was killed at it, but maybe the answer instead is to open the village gates. Now, when I read this story, I was blown away. And I know there are many stories like this of individuals who during a time when it would be totally understandable for them to be angry, to display rage, hate, revenge. During that time, they displayed a love that was so fierce, it burned through all those other emotions. Through her connection with Anita, Tony quickly discovered that Anita herself was a troubled person struggling with addiction. She had been abusive to her children, but she was also the victim of abuse. So Tony decided to try to replace some of that pain in Anita's life with love. Instead of hating the family of the person who killed her grandson, she brought them groceries and gave Anita rides to the prison so she could visit her son. In Tony's words, no matter what she did, I knew I needed to see her through the eyes of compassion and love. We need more compassion in this world so that we can become all that we are meant to be. Really, who needs more hate? 
Now that is the kind of love I wish I had told my father about on that day. Not the feel-good love I think he was imagining that we all believe in, but a love so fierce that it sees the humanity of others and answers the call to act with love and compassion. But it's not always easy, is it? I'm going to invite you to take a moment and think of the last argument you had with a loved one or someone at work or maybe someone on the phone as you were trying to navigate some of that bureaucracy. Maybe they were AI or maybe they were real. Did you even for a moment, did you feel that little stubborn desire to not open to love? Do you know that? It's like moment inside you, there's a sensation inside you, and you kind of feel like, I don't want to. I don't want to be nice right now. I could be mean. That would kind of feel good in this moment. Anybody? I'll never see that person again. I'm going to just yell at them. Can't do anything about it, but I'm going to yell at them. Or maybe in your personal relationships, you know that moment in the dynamic when you're having a fight? And there's that choice, who's going to cross that boundary that you've now put up between you? That point where you think, ooh, I have some power right now. I could just stay right here. Yes? Yes? Oh, yeah. Send it. (laughs) Sometimes that person asking for love is in a parking lot. When the woman who lived in their truck was hungry approached me that day at the card store, I had a decision to make. As she spoke to me, I hesitated, trying to decide what to do. I wanted to both be a good person, but I also wanted to get on with my day, keeping it on schedule. So I did what any good do-gooder would do in my situation. I rummaged through my car to see if I had any cash, found $5, and handed her a bill. At first, she hesitated to take it. I think she, too, was curious about my response. She hadn't asked for money. But eventually, she took the money. We talked a little bit more, and she was on her way. I went into the store. Turns out they didn't have the cards I was looking for, and I came back out with this sinking feeling in my gut that my choice was maybe a little less than loving. Would it have been so hard for me to have invited her into my nice warm car, maybe driven her down to Chipotle and had a burrito together? I knew I had missed an opportunity, and I got in my car, and I drove down the street to try to find her. Sadly, I never did. I truly feel that I failed love in that moment. What glorious connection could have happened as we shared stories of our lives, sitting and talking, just a half hour or so. It's kind of funny that I rushed her off so I could go into the store to buy cards to send to people to express love. Think about that. Now, some people are going to say, oh, Deborah, don't be so hard on yourself. You can't take every person who lives in their truck out to lunch every day, which is true. But every person who lives in a truck didn't ask me. And even this one person didn't ask me every day. Whether during situations like that day or moments in our relationships when we choose to hold back connection, the question remains, what keeps us from love? Why does it feel so hard sometimes? 
Rumi, I always turn to Rumi in these moments. Rumi, the great Sufi poet, offers this. He says, your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built up against it. Fierce love is an action word. It is the action we take for others and it's the action we take within ourselves to prepare ourselves to be loving. It doesn't just happen. I believe Rumi is right that we must first find and deconstruct those barriers. So what are the name of your barriers? What keeps you from love? You can feel them inside. That's why those moments of pause are so important. When we keep ourselves busy, we can just skim right over life. We can talk a nice conversation about life. Take a pause. Take a breath. See what comes up. And often what we feel is these barriers to love. I know one of mine, maybe one of yours, is simply called fear. Being boldly loving sometimes just feels scary. What if these people don't like me? What if I mess up? What if I say the wrong thing? What if it's not the right thing to do? Maybe it's just better for me to stay over here. We like to say that this is an evolving faith and that we hold that revelation is ongoing. And I think this is true. But it's not just theological revelation. It's not like, oh, wow, I just had an insight. Let me share it with you. We need to make this an evolving faith, meaning that you and I, even you, Alex, uh uh-oh, we're all evolving. We're all changing. We're all putting in conscious effort to find the barriers that are preventing that. To be a Unitarian Universalist requires that we fiercely remove those barriers inside ourselves to do the inner work so that we can go out into the world and do the work we want to do. Otherwise, we're not going to do it. Those situations are going to come up and we are going to collapse and go into the card store and buy a card and feel good about sending it. The young boy who killed Tony's grandson was so hurt and abused that he wanted to die. His mother, Anita, had been abused and unloved. And Tony's answer was to cross the road. And let's repeat, the road she crossed was filled with her own pain and grief and anger, but she crossed that barrier to sow love, to give what she could to spread compassion and to connect. And I'm going to guess that Tony had done some nurturing of that ability before that moment. I use her story for myself as a reminder of what is possible because we need not wait for those big moments to practice fierce love. We get to practice each day. Now, I have a feeling in your personal relationships, you have the opportunity daily, once you get out of bed, maybe even before, to cross some barriers to love, right? And I'm sure as I've been speaking today, most of you have popped one relationship up in your head that you're thinking of. But we also as a community, you also as a community right here, have an opportunity to practice. A question I have for you as a community, human, is why do you come here on Sunday morning? Do you come here to get a little inspiration, check worship off your box, maybe the coffee's good? 
or not, the muffins, something. Does anybody have good coffee in their congregations? We'll talk about it later. Or do you use this time right here to practice in a relatively small, safe space to practice removing barriers to love so that when the big opportunities come outside these doors, and they will, that you will have the strength to do them. Think about how you treat each other. That, to me, is the purpose of worship and community. It's to gather into and nourish and strengthen our ability to love right here, right now. I'm going to close with a word from some, an author uh, named Jason Garner. I found these words inspiring. He says, we're called to practice a love that is more courageous than all the terror we see in the world. Because if we aren't bold in our love, then hate wins out. So we love one another, even when it's seemingly impossible. We look for the humanity behind the acts of hatred. We find our own pain in the pain of the world, and we meet it with an intensity of love that is fitting for our intense times. So my, neighbor, my neighbors, may we go forth together and become practitioners of this faith. May we really live what it means to be a Unitarian Universalist. Become practitioners of love. Now, before I step off today, I'm going to invite us into a practice because what are words without a little bit of practice? So I'm going to ask Alex if you'll give us some practice music. We're going to do a little practice of a meta prayer. So if you're not familiar with a meta prayer, it's a meta prayer of loving kindness. It comes from the Buddhist tradition. And it invites you to send loving kindness to yourself and to others. So I'll invite you, if you'd like to close your eyes. First part of a meta prayer is, is always sending loving kindness to ourselves. So I'm going to invite you to take that breath or two again. Center yourself in your heart. If it helps you to physically place your hand on your heart, feel free to do that. And then in your own mind's eye, you can do it out loud or just silently to yourself. I'm going to invite you to repeat these words to yourself right now. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be free from harm and suffering. May I be well in body, heart, and mind. And may I be at peace. Allow yourself to settle there. Take a breath. And I'm going to ask you, invite you, <coughs> excuse me, invite you to think of somebody right now whom it is easy to love. Somebody in your life that you just just smile at the thought of them. And imagining them in front of you right now. Go ahead and take a moment. And it can be more than one person if you like. 
Imagine that person or persons in front of you right now and say this to them. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be free from harm and suffering. May you be well in body, heart, and mind. And may you be at peace. I'm just sending them energy from your heart to theirs, trusting that even at a distance they can feel it. And now perhaps a little more challenging, I'm going to invite you to place in front of your mind's eye a person with whom perhaps you've had some conflict. Usually, pretty, pretty good idea to pick that first person that comes to your mind, even though you might say, "Oh, not them." So, if you can imagine them sitting in front of you, with as much fierceness as you can, offer them these words: "May you be filled with loving kindness." May you be free from harm and suffering. May you be well in body, mind, and heart. And may you be at peace. And see if you can remove some of the barriers between you, sending them loving energy from your heart. And then finally, imagining yourself out amongst into the world. Perhaps you like to imagine yourself on the top of a mountain or by the ocean or in a crowd of people in a city, wherever you'd like to place yourself in amongst all beings of the world. Take a moment, look around, see them, the birds, the trees, the humans, all here interconnected. And we're going to send them this prayer of loving kindness. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be free from harm and suffering. May you be well in body, heart, and mind. May you be at peace. And as you are ready, I invite you to open your eyes if they've been closed. Maybe take a little look around the circle of this room. And just with your eyes send a little prayer of loving kindness to this community that you have consciously chosen to be part of. And I wish you all many blessings as a community, as Unitarian Universalists, to be neighbors and to spread this love. Blessed be. Amen. And...
effort to fulfill and further the vision and mission of this church. We ask that our members and friends share their time, treasure, and talent. And with this, we will now take the offering. The basket will be passed, and you can also give using the GiveLify app. One final announcement, lunch ministry has resumed, and today, uh, join fellow humanites at Your Pie in Roswell. And now we will extinguish our chalice. As we read together, we extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts until we meet again.
just going to uh, offer these closing words as we part today. These are from the great novelist Walter Mosley, who once said, we are not trapped or locked up in these bones. No, no. We are free to change. And love changes us. And if we love one another, we can break open the sky. May it be so. Blessings. Unitarian Universalist Metro Atlanta North Congregation of Roswell, Georgia, thanks you for listening to the Human Podcast. Background music 
courtesy of Tim Moore from Pixabay. <laughs>